Hello, everybody, and indeed, welcome to another edition of Hoosier Hometown Heroes. I'm your host and navigator, Tony Val, and today is a very special episode. My guest today is Pastor Scott Simmons of Faith United Church of Christ here in Indianapolis, down on Thompson Road, 4040 East Thompson Road to be exact, and Pastor Scott happens to also be a neighbor of mine and a great neighbor at that i just i always find when uh when the neighborhood comes together i find that i often fall into conversation with scott and ever since i met him he and i have been kind of quick friends and i finally decided my listening audience needs to meet scott as well he's a super interesting guy And when I want to talk about faith and explore my faith, talk about God, think about God, Scott, for me, is a great facilitator, I guess. And so today's show gives you all a peek into what it's like for me to chat with Scott. So I really hope you enjoy it. And of course, before we start, I want to thank our sponsors. Prometheus Consulting is Indy's most trusted IT support experts. We support all your computer network needs. Call us today at 317-733-2388 or find us online at prometheus.com. P like Peter, R-O-M like Mary, E-T-H-I-U-S.com. And now please enjoy my interview with Pastor Scott Simmons. Scott Simmons, welcome to Hoosier Hometown Heroes. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Excited. <laughs> yeah. I was afraid you weren't going to say anything yeah, there yeah. for a no, second. No, I was going to leave you hanging. <laughs> <laughs> Were you waiting for divine inspiration? Uh-huh. No, that's a bad joke. Yeah, um, terrible. Hope it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as mentioned in the intro, Scott is the pastor at Faith United Church of Christ. Um a, a little bit of uh, bookkeeping before we start, or okay. house cleaning, housekeeping, mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the church is 4040 East Thompson Road. It's an Indianapolis address. Would you normally say Greenwood when you're, or do you say Indianapolis? Like like we're sandwiched in between okay. Greenwood and Beach Grove. Like we're right on the edge of Beach Grove, actually. That's Got it. Beach Grove. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of way off. Do mm-hmm. Is it fair to say... South side, do we cut? Yeah, we call we're it south side. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, if we were in Chicago, we'd be Sox fans. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so pumped to have you on the show. And oh, I suppose we should reveal to listeners mm. maybe you would, I can edit it out if you disagree, but we're neighbors. Yeah. We should reveal that. Yeah, our That's kids that. do stuff together. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, last night, uh-huh. Sophie and Hannah were over. And to, I don't know if you knew that. Two days from now, right? Lewis's oh, birthday. that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Big seven. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Time flies. Mm-hmm. But uh, so as neighbor, that's that's how we've gotten to know each other. And you and I get we always I feel like every time I see you, we become deep into conversation. So I've been excited to actually formally have a reason to uh, do this. And um I always, when I'm setting up a show, I always try to think about, okay, where am I, where to start, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And where I want to start with you, Scott, is um, I want to start with a quote from the church's website, which is a great website, by the way. Thank you. We just redid it. 
Oh, yeah, well, very good job. Yeah. No kidding. Another neighbor of ours, Brian Heath, helped with that. Oh, I don't know if you know Brian, but no, he lives, I don't. I don't lives believe up the I way. Do. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow, that's a small, small world. Well, at any rate, the quote front and center, right mm-hmm. at the front of the website, I think is a great quote. No matter where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. End quote. I thought, what a what a great way to start a website. What a great way to start a message to a a, a prospective parishioner member mm-hmm. um and what a great way to start a podcast so w- tell me more about your church okay yeah I, I i can start with that statement because i make a point pretty much every sunday um when i'm doing the welcome to either say that or some version of that and and typically i'll add to it um i'll say you know no matter where you are on life's journey you're welcome here whether you're a democrat or republican back during the election whether you're a trump supporter or a hillary supporter whether you're gay or straight uh, whether you're new to church or you've been in church your entire life. And I would identify as a progressive pastor um, in many respects. And my denomination, the United Church of Christ, in our national expression is pretty progressive or liberal. Uh, we're one of the first churches to um, ordain a woman, a black person, and a gay person. That's what we claim in our history. No kidding. Wow. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, amazing. yeah. So... Um, while I, I hold all that, um, one of the things I realize is that sometimes inclusive liberals um, can be inclusive only to people who think like they do, uh, right? You know. <laughs> sure. And so my goal um, is really to have a place where there is diversity of political thought, diversity on social issues, um, kind of all those things that we're, we're actually bringing different kinds of people together. I've said publicly in church that I, I hope to have a gay couple sitting next to somebody that doesn't think that gays should be in a relationship with each other. And, and I hope that they would become friends, you know, and, and build a relationship because that's how the world has changed. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's written somewhere because I think I mm-hmm. recently read that pro- probably on your website. Yeah, yeah. I made a decision in the fall after I preached a sermon series titled Mistreated, um, which goes through um, six biblical passages on homosexuality and asks the question that is saying that all forms of homosexual relationship are a sin based on the Bible. Is that a mistreatment of the text? And I conclude that... Um, in my opinion, yeah, I think that it condemns some forms, but others, no. I think that that's a pretty wide reading or a misreading of the text. So we put that on the. I put that on the website. I put it on the website, and uh, we have a little tab that says LGBTQ, and we try to lay out kind of where we are, mm-hmm. um, and and say, hey, we don't we don't think we have all the answers, but we are serious about the scripture, and we're serious about including people. And if you don't land where we land, you're still welcome. Hmm. It strikes me that um, from a, I'll call it a recruiting perspective, you mm-hmm. know, let's, let, you know, let's face it, in one way or part of what you're doing is still building, a, building an organization. Right. Um, from a recruiting perspective, that very open, welcoming message has to be a great ad- advantage. But I imagine that for certain people, it's actually a disadvantage. Yeah, you know, I mean, you um, you got to figure out your market niche, so to speak, right? <laughs> sure. And and while while it's authentic, that's um, honestly where I am theologically and in my heart. Uh, so it reflects um, who I am and and uh, who our church is. It's also a realization that in God's kingdom, he he likes diversity. He does a lot of different things, and so what what role are we to play? here in Indianapolis or on the south side. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think part of it is being in a very welcoming community um, and, and trying to, I, I think that this is somewhat of a new thing or at least like an experiment, trying to actually be a welcoming community that does bring in a diversity of thought. Mm. Um, and so while while we have that as a, a thing on our, on our website, it's not like that's not the first thing you read. Um, true. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, let, let's uh, talk just size. How how many parishioners do you mm-hmm. have? Uh, this year we uh, averaged sixty nine people 
on an average Sunday. Uh-huh. Um, we, we were just shy of 70, and for some reason, 70 just felt so much better. I almost fudged the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, 69 on a given Sunday. Uh, I've been there for two years. We've seen some uh, um, some growth. Um, so we were at 58 in 2015 was the average. The church itself in its heyday was averaging well over 200. But that was like back in the um, late 70s, early 80s. Interesting. So um, faith follows, uh, faith church, my church follows a similar pattern of a lot of mainline churches, a lot of churches in general over the last 30 years of kind of slow decline and they fall into a maintenance mode and eventually they're, they're kind of in this um, death spiral, if you will. And we were we were on that decline, and then um, in the early 2000s, the church uh, called a pastor who was not a good fit. I'll just say that, and it created conflict, and the church went from worshiping about 120 down to 60. Wow. Um, so we, I think, to be, I think that the size of church we are um, in our DNA is probably a church of about 150, maybe, maybe more. Um, but when I think of us, I think of that, that's, that's where we're going. Hmm. Um, and the numbers you, the, the, the growth numbers you stated just doing some fuzzy math in my mm-hmm. head. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's over 10% growth uh, over two years. That's, oh, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. It yeah, definitely it's 19% actually. <laughs> oh, well, okay. There you go. <laughs> I think, I think uh, it was. So Whatever. it's, it's def- like 11 people, but <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, I'll numbers take it. are yeah, numbers. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, what makes up a good is is parishioner the right term? Am I using the right term? I'm I'm going to expose. Yeah. I'm such a sheltered Catholic. I have no confidence. You will see as the interview goes on. I have no confidence confidence in any terminology that is outside of the Catholic faith. So I'm going to learn something here today. That, that's okay. I, I'm not like a <laughs> real strong churchman either. Yeah. So I know I'm a pastor, but that's not really like the thing that is my. Um, my gift, so to speak, but yeah, parishioner would be fine. Okay, you can call them that a congregant. Uh, congregant, people. yeah. I mean, even that's kind of a, well, a funny term, but you could yeah. use it. I mean, well, well. So, what makes up a, a, a profile that of of uh, I'm going to use parishioner again, a parishioner mm-hmm. uh, uh, that is a good feels like a good fit for my church yeah. or a church in general. Yeah, for your church. Um, what we're shooting for is is people that um, that are serious about their spiritual growth so I'm actually doing a sermon series right now titled next steps and I'm um, I'm using some some pretty extensive research from a book called move uh, to lay out that sermon series but it's all about equipping uh, people in the pews to really take ownership uh, up for their spiritual growth I think what happens when people grow spiritually and, and I laid this out in the first message is that, um, we go from being selfish to selfless, okay? And so if you think about mm. it, right, you know I have a, a, a baby boy, Jack. Oh, yeah. And, and so I use him as an example. Night. Yeah, yeah. I use him as an example all the time when I preach. And I, and I say, the most selfish person I know is my son, Jack. You know, I mean, he's changed me, feed me, hold me, and he throws a fit if he doesn't get what he wants. And never once sure. has he asked me how was my day, you know, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and we all start that way, and that's okay, uh, but if we're that, if we stay that way, I mean, he's three months. If you're 30 years old and you're behaving that way, you're a, you're a menace, <laughs> you know, on everybody around you, right? Good point. And so, um, the trajectory, what happens when we get close to Christ? I th- I believe this is what he's teaching, is that we go from being selfish to selfless. He he talks about those who try to keep their lives lose it, right? The selfish person ultimately loses out mm-hmm. on relationship, on, on a sense of integrity that damages their soul in a certain sense. But when you become selfless, relationships thrive, people want you in the room, you get dinner invitations, you know what I mean, right? Um, and so that's where it's going. And so with the, the profile of a church member and, and one of our early church uh, member classes, a, a parishioner, um, what we're looking for is that people understand that this is not country club, right? When you become a member in a country club, you get a bunch of perks. Um, it becomes about you. But in a church, in a healthy church, uh, the guests, they get to have their preferences served. But when you become a member, you say, I'm going to prioritize the mission of the church 
over my individual preferences. It's not about me. Yeah. It's a major change. And I tell people, hey, look, if you're not ready for it, just be a guest and we'll be glad to have you. As hmm. long as you, you know, you're, you're, if it's working for you, great. But you become a member. This is, this is the attitude that we're looking for. You, uh, I want to touch on your sermons, and I'll just share again, you know, the listeners know uh, we're, we're neighbors. So I, I glean things from, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the barbecue and the birthday parties and mm-hmm. the, running mm-hmm. into Scott at, at these events. And I'm always fascinated by, um, of course, normally they're on weekends, and you are in the process of preparing for your sermon. And I've seen how seriously you take that, how much energy and devotion you put into it. Mm-hmm. And I've so enjoyed, I, I love picking your brain about, okay, what's coming up this weekend, Scott? What's the topic? <laughs> Talk about the work that you put into that and what sure, that looks like. Sure. Um, if I'm doing it well, I, I've done advanced planning. So like I bought a book for a sermon series I'm going to preach in May the other day. Wow. And so I'm poking through that and I actually created the, the like, um, the keynote slide for it. I'm going to preach a sermon series titled, I love Jesus, but not the church. Right. So I'm looking into that. So advanced planning, if I'm doing well. Um, and then, uh, I take all of Monday, uh, to work on my message for the following Sunday. So just eight hours that day. And then, um, the first four hours of Tuesday, typically that often gets interrupted, but I try to front load it. And by the end of Tuesday, uh, ideally not this week, but ideally I have my bulletin done, which has an outline of my message, right. With fill in the blank sort of things. I have the, um, PowerPoints done. So when I preach, I preach without notes, but there's a PowerPoint and there's an outline in your bulletin. And the whole idea is to try to make it as easy as possible for you to get the point right and know what to do with it by Wednesday and Thursday I'm um, I'm preaching the message in my office um, sometimes I ride my stationary bike and I preach no <laughs> which kidding. Is, yeah it's kind of funny because I also listen to like electronic music while I do it I don't know why but <laughs> it blocks everything out and uh, you know Bill and Sarah live yeah. next door yeah, and yeah. my office window faces there so if I'm at home like I swear one day they're gonna look in I'm like on my bike preaching and they're going to be like, is he okay? You know, sort of deal. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know, man, it's maybe 20 hours sometimes. Wow. Depends. Right. I mean, you're a creative, you know, that sometimes it comes and sometimes it doesn't for sure. Um, so sometimes you just got to hammer through. Yes. I would, I'm assuming that uh, partially because of who you are and how much work you put into it, how passionate you are about Mm -hmm. it. And, and perhaps partially uh, because of the size of the congregation at this point, I'm imagining that you have congregants that like to follow up with you and, and sort of chat with you about your message and ask follow-up questions. And is there, is there that type, do you get that type of back and forth? Not as much as I'd like, actually. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, there is feedback. And so one of the things that's energized me is that people have, um, either a, uh, you just paid like a genuine compliment or B down the line, they've brought up something that I taught either knowingly or unknowingly, but like that always just like does it for me. Um, Interesting. Right. That is sticking and that they're yeah. trying to apply it. Um, I, maybe it's that we don't have the space for that back and forth. I think about that. Um, and by that, do you mean the your congregants don't have there's not necessarily the the interface or the time yeah set aside to do that yeah, or the, whatever you know, we have a culture of um people you know walk out of the the worship service and and they they're, they're hanging out a little bit more and mm-hmm. we're actually implementing a program to try to leverage that but um you know it, we worship at 10 30 and we're done by 1130, by the way. I have a, the first thing. Hey, hey, dude, I had a clock installed. Up. Like, I think it's an <laughs> unwritten social contract that, like, people, like, church is going to be about an That's hour. That's funny. Uh, so I, I try to honor that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're done at 1130, and people are hungry and kind of ready to roll. I'm so sure. uh, it's nice to be able to sleep in, I think. But yeah. um, so really it's about creating, I think, a culture where people are um, engaging 
each other. And so we're working on that in, in different sorts of ways. I can imagine that with all the work you put into it, uh, in in some sort of irony, people people can't. You're, you're polished enough, and you do such a good job. By the time you're delivering the message, that people might not understand how much work you put into it. Yeah, well, right. I mean, you. Uh, you want I guess to, that's what you're going for. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and you know, they don't need to know. I, I mean, in in a sense, right? Because people show up to church. And they, they've had this week, you know, and things have happened in their family and at work. And, um, and my whole week has been focused on church. So I'm thinking about Good church point. all week, right? That's interesting. And, and I'm thinking they're thinking about church all week because I'm thinking about church all week. But they're not thinking about church all week because they're thinking about what's going on. Right. And their week. And so I often will ask people um, for feedback on the message. My question is, was it helpful? Did it help? Because I know you're going through something, you know? I don't know what it is, but, sh- you know, I got a family. Like, I get it. You know, I got yeah. neighbors. Um, they're all got stuff going on, and good and bad. Um, and so I try to be mindful, right? And then we live in a world of, like, kind of content dump, you know? Like, sure. my inbox is full of all sorts of great stuff I want to read. Um, how much of it do I read? You know, not a ton, because then I got a bunch of books and so on and so forth right podcasts yeah. who's your hometown heroes <laughs> that sort of thing right absolutely uh what do you say to the person that does not go to church that think of thinks of themselves as spiritual mm-hmm. maybe not religious yeah spiritual what's what can church do for someone like that? That's a great question. Um, last spring, I, I preached a sermon series titled Spiritual, Not Religious, um, where I explored some of that. And so I think the first thing I'd want to do is just if I can kind of, I guess, get philosophical for a moment. Sure, I'd love it. Uh, but to make a distinction between what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual and what we're talking about in terms of religion. Hmm. So I, I was a chaplain before I um, started at the church. And I was part of the spiritual care department, and I started thinking, you know, what what are we talking about here, right? And I came up with this definition that worked for me. And when we're talking about spiritual things, we're talking about things that are universal and eternal. Okay, universal and eternal. That sounds theological, but it's really simple, meaning uh, universal, everybody faces these. And eternal, it doesn't matter what year it is or what stage of life, Mm. you're facing these things. So Mm -hmm. change. Change is a spiritual dynamic or a spiritual challenge. Um, the need for connection, that's a spiritual issue. Um, fear could be a spiritual issue. Um, and so these things are, are eternal. They're universal. Illness in a hospital context, um, the um, kind of having to let go of certain things, that transition, right, as your body changes or life circumstances change. Sure. Spiritual issues. Now, religion is a system of belief. It's a set of thoughts. And it could be churchy, you know, it could be a formalized religion or completely like atheist, if you will. But oh, it, but interesting. It, it's, I never, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's, right. it's, it's a thought system mm-hmm. that helps you deal with spiritual realities. And some thought systems are more effective than others. Some are more helpful than others. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty deep. So, so with that, that in mind, um, a lot of times we live life without any sort of coherent or planned out thought system. Right? We're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants playing pickup game life, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then, like, a, a tragedy, you know, comes bustling in and uh, – we don't have the resources to deal with it. Our, our paradigm, our frame that we've been using to look at life is now cracked or completely shattered. Yep. Right. I mean, that was happening yep. in the hospital all the time with, with patients. And, um, and, and now we're just lost at sea. And so that's where religion at its best can be helpful. And, and we can have a whole nother part to the conversation about how religion can be very not helpful, how it can be harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
there you go. Right now we got this this system of thought. Like Jesus is presenting ultimately um, uh, a view on the world and a view on you, right? Like he, he's saying, if, if you could just see the world as I see it and begin to live in the world as I live in it, it will work out better for you. Mm-hmm. You'll know mm-hmm. when to hold on tight. You know when to let go. You'll be more free. You'll have less anxiety. You know, like these sorts of things. And your life ultimately will have significance and there'll be a chance for integrity, a healthy soul. You know, I'll, I'll share with you, uh, the, the last few years of my dad's life, he passed away from Alzheimer's, uh, uh, in, uh, 2016. Mm-hmm. If I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. no pun intended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, he was always a very, uh, uh, he was a man of faith mm. and great, great person. And I got to see at the end of his life that his faith and his practice, you know, he was a devout Catholic. Mm. And his 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 faith and I think that practice of going to church, that structure, it was I, I could see it in hindsight. It was like money in the bank. It was he could handle anything, and he mm-hmm. handled the the entire trajectory of going through Alzheimer's, all that, which is essentially it's one loss after the next, after the next. It's yeah. this very it's this horrible slow death. He handled it all with such grace, and uh, I came to um, I, it was such a lesson for me. So many lessons for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, one of the things he said to me, I, I had this moment um, <laughs> of weakness. I chuckle now, but, it, you know, it was tough. I asked him once, this is, he was well into Alzheimer's. And he was, for me, he was my idol. He, mm-hmm. I, just, I just idolized him. And I asked him in a mo- moment of weakness, Dad, how am I going to handle this, you know? Yeah. And he was such a, a deep, he was just a deep spiritual person. He just the perfect answer came right out of him. He said, uh, "Sometimes the only way to beat a thing is to accept it." Yeah, and uh, yeah. So that his going to church, it was money in the bank. It was, it was, uh, it served him so well. Mm. I think that's uh, you. You know what you just touched on this idea of surrender. Yes, um, which is. Um, kind of another part of my story is, you know, I already said that I I come out of more of a liberal tradition, but I've been learning intentionally from more conservative Christians um, and trying to appreciate uh, what God is doing in those environments um, and in those ministries and doing many great things. But surrender is kind of a word, at least I associate with kind of an evangelical conservative Christian Mm, theology. So for a long time, it wasn't like a word that I was compelled by. But I'm, next week, I'm going to preach on that topic, ultimately. And um, kind of going back to the hospital environment, you know, I saw people who were were getting ready to die, and I was there with them when they died. And some were able to surrender to that reality. They were able to... Um, believe that that indeed they were being held in God's hand that that um, when they went over the cliff and there was no coming back it was going to be a soft landing there was peace and there was inspiration and beauty they were like the one dying I'm there's the chaplain supposed to be like I guess ministering you know and instead they're like helping me out ministering to sure me, right yeah. it was powerful and others where it was terrifying and ugly and painful beyond the normal levels of pain, right? Like they, they weren't surrendering. Uh, they were in denial. They were angry. But life brings things to us. And we can be upset about it. We can say it's unfair. We can try to fight against it, but it's there. You know, there's, there's no changing it. Um, and how we respond, our frame, our religion, our system of thought, um, the things we go to will determine whether or not we bear good fruit in that moment, whether or not it destroys us, destroys others, or there's beauty, there's something passed on, even though something's lost. I find the older that I get, 
I'm developing this belief that, uh, or, or maybe it's not a belief, maybe it's just uh, an observation that nothing is all good or all bad. Mm. You know, even in even the worst situations, there are things, good things come out of them. And what an experience that must have been for you to uh, be a chaplain. It was at IU Health. Yeah. Was that? Yeah. I mean, the the things you've seen, the perspective you you probably got from that that's that's really something yeah it it took the fluff out of my theology i like to say (laughs) you know like because you go into a room where where somebody's you know teenage son has been just shot and and or something like that right i mean that was unfortunately not all that rare um and you know you better be careful what you say in fact, our trainers, uh, Frank and PGK and, and uh, Marcos, uh, two of the guys I worked with, they were great. I mean, their basic advice was like, first, first, try not to say much or anything. You're not there to fix anything. You're there to care for people. And um, wow, but it, but it was very, yeah, yeah. It took the fluff out of my theology. Like, I, I don't have the answers. Um, if asked, I can say something. But I, I was trying to surrender to the moment trying to be present trying to see the bigger picture hmm. you know that's that's pretty crazy i have a uh, a thought occurred to me as anticipating our conversation today so you may i don't know if you know this about me i i was a musician yeah pretty serious musician yeah. so i thought about my own the, the life cycle of that okay so i i spent lots of years as a kid developing a love for music and a mm-hmm. love for playing music mostly through piano later as guitar as well and stuff but i transitioned at some point don't remember exactly when from i just love doing this to i want to make this my career mm. it occurs to me i'm guessing that you were a person of faith before you ever decided <laughs> i want to be a pastor or, I, I want to make this my career mm-hmm. um for me as a musician, it really changed music for me a little bit. It just mm-hmm. made it different. Mm-hmm. What has uh, becoming a pastor and even before then, what it, what has that done to your faith now that it's kind of also your job? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, there's, there's a downside that um, I listen to a lot of pastors talk about being a pastor, right? Because it can be a hazardous, I think, um, profession. Because, you know, I'm... I'm well, I'm spending time with God for a living, right? Um, and there's a reality to that. Like when I when I prepare for a sermon, um, oftentimes the first person is learning from a message is me. Um, and like one of the real upsides to my work is like, are you kidding me? It's my job to like read the scripture and read other interesting books and like put together mm-hmm. what I think. Like that's what I get to do today. Like awesome, you know. Wow. So that part is is fantastic. Um, I think the most important thing and something I, I constantly am kind of working towards is um, it's just making sure I keep going back to the well, going back to my dependence on God and the the honor it is to be in this role. The truth, which is this is only for a season. I don't get to determine how long that season is. Um that I do best when I'm actually channeling, I think, God's spirit for whatever that means, you know, but it's not my agenda. This kind of back to the surrender thing again that I'll talk about next week when I preach. Um, you know, it's, it's, we live our lives with our agenda. I'm the king, I'm the one, you know, in charge, but you probably are familiar with the Lord's prayer. Many people never really think of this, but it opens up, you know, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. And, and when we say that, uh, the thing that I think we, we just blow right past is like, I'm saying I want God's kingdom and God's will, which means that like my kingdom where Scott's in charge, <laughs> my will, where it goes the way I want things. Yes. I, I'm confessing, I am uh, stating uh, an intention to uh, prioritize God's plan over my own, which could involve a whole ton of things I wouldn't pick for myself. And in fact, Tony, I, I didn't necessarily ever want to be a pastor. 
Um, I went to seminary because I wanted to learn more about Jesus. And that was even weird that I ended up in seminary. I didn't expect that. Um, But when I was in seminary, I wasn't intending to be a parish pastor. And in fact, for like the first nine years um, coming out, maybe that's not right, a little shorter, but I wasn't. I was a youth pastor and I opened a coffee shop for the seminary and did some chaplaincy and... It's it's kind of amazing. Uh, uh, is it uh, was it John Lennon? Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Yeah, you know? yeah. It is interesting to see. Uh, you can look back in life and say, "Oh my gosh, never would have picked most of this stuff. This mm-hmm. wasn't my plan." But mm-hmm. but now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, kind of along those paths. Like I don't think I was ready to be a pastor right coming out of seminary. And I remember sitting with my mom and dad in Evanston, and I was getting close to graduating from seminary. And I I grew up in a Methodist tradition, and I went to a Methodist seminary. And I was telling my parents, I've made a decision about my future. And they're like, oh, okay. And my decision was that I wasn't going to pursue ordination in the Methodist church, which was like the clear path, which was like what both my folks and myself could understand this could lead to, right? Like I didn't mm-hmm. know what you do with a seminary degree, uh, but I knew you could do that. And my dad kind of got it in the moment, but I remember my mom really being like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, like, so then what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just know what I'm not going to do right now. Will you ever be ordained? I don't know. I just huh. know right now I've, I've made, and like, I felt this huge weight. Like I was like, like, thinking I was bringing something to the table that was remarkable, and they were just like, what? <laughs> but, you know, I had asked for direction. That was the direction I got in prayer. It was like, well, you know, n- not right now. I was like, is there anything else, Lord, you know? <laughs> and it was like crickets, you know. <laughs> so y- you think about these moments when you step out on faith, and faith to me is not a fluffy term. It's, it's a very... Um, action-oriented sort of thing. It's it's doing what I can do and then trusting God to do what only God can do. And um, I can take some steps. I can understand some things, but there's always a piece that that is beyond my control, beyond my knowledge. And what I find with most people and with myself is that what we do, say let's say this piece that is beyond my knowledge is 90% and what I can control is my 10%. Mm-hmm. What I do, what others do, what we we all typically do is we worry about, we think about, we complain about, we focus on that 90%. But when it comes to our 10, we don't handle it. We don't take care of it. Sure. So yeah. so faith is 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 the skill of being able to deal with your ten percent. You just described the first half of my day, Scott. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And you had to surrender some things, and things didn't go oh, right. Yeah. I, I oh, yeah. just imagine, yeah. you know. But yeah, yeah. there were still some things you could you could do. Yeah, yeah. I want to uh, reiterate, Scott Simmons, my neighbor, my wonderful neighbor, yeah. is uh, my guest today on Hoosier Hometown Heroes. He is the pastor at Faith. United Church of Christ, down on Thompson Road. Um, what's the web address? I didn't write down the web address. I think it's a great website. Yeah, it's uh, myfaithucc.org. Myfaithucc.org. Great. Um, it occurs to me that it must be, there's got to be a lot of pressure uh, being a pastor. Do you, you know, I, I know like for, for, um, you know, I growing up in the Catholic church, the, the, the various clergy that, you know, I was educated in Catholic schools as well. So I was Mm -hmm. around clergy all the time. And, you know, I think we, oftentimes we want, we want them to have answers we want you know help me out here and and Mm -hmm. and we're uh we're looking you know all all eyes all eyes are on you how does that that's got to be difficult yeah at times yeah yeah it it can be um uh my tendency i think this is my pride is to think i have answers (laughs) (laughs) so i'm working on that um and, and so i i like being in that role um but but you're right. Um, 
there's many things that, that we don't have the answers to. I try to be clear about that, especially theologically. Like I'm, I'm there um, when I preach to bear witness to um, what, what I believe God is speaking through me in this season of life after my study and my prayer and just my appeal for, for that wisdom. But Hey, you know, you need to have your own relationship with God. And, and if this is helpful, great, um, work on it, you know, um, and, and running the organization, uh, and being a leader in that capacity or, uh, in terms of counseling and, um, care for people, you know, there, there is a lot of, um, you know, there's just a lot of need that's put your way. I'm sure. Right. And so it's around, I think, um, having established some boundaries ahead of time, kind of think through, uh, what you're going to do and what you're not Try not to be reactive. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm big on family systems theory. If you've ever heard of that, I have not. Yeah. Murray Bowen, um, coined this concept and uh so the idea is that like in therapy for a long long time the patient would come in they would just deal with the person who had the problem and bowen was one of the first to understand that like we don't live in isolation we're part of these family systems and Mm -hmm. so like while you might be exhibiting the uh rebellious behavior as a teenager um you're actually acting out because like dad's an alcoholic and never home and mom is, you know, um, she's passive aggressive or something Mm -hmm. like that. And you're in the system. And so he would try to work with the full systems and he would look at how anxiety flows through the system. So that was like the big idea. And so there's a whole bunch of people who have taken this concept and they've applied it to work life, like businesses and stuff. Yeah. Um, and especially church life because a pastor, um, unknowingly, or willingly uh, can choose to take on the anxiety of the entire system. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that, that's where people burn out and get crushed. And I mean, it's easier said than done to not. Uh, but I'm grateful that my work uh, doing the chaplaincy, especially in some other things has given me these concepts to pay attention to while I'm serving. Yeah. That's fabulous. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you were you had some experience that that gave you perspective that saved you from kind of getting getting chewed up by by what the job can entail for yeah so far if you're not careful <laughs> yeah yeah so far so far so good yeah yeah sure. um, I wanted to make sure to ask you because uh-huh. as as any good Catholic sure I don't know the Bible mm. I'm fairly convinced it's only four books <laughs> is it which four <laughs> matthew mark luke and john oh, well those are those are important ones yeah. oh, well yeah. i apparently uh, they keep reading them to me yeah week after week year after year sure. um i wanted to hear do you have fa- some favorite bible passages uh yeah of course so my all-time favorite is jesus saying that um, a tree will be known by the fruit that it bears Huh. Okay, so um, a, a, a good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. And so I think that this is incredible wisdom because when we look at our belief systems, our religion, right, we were talking about earlier, the ways mm-hmm. that we deal with our the spiritual issues of life, um, a question is to ask, is it bearing good fruit? Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, is how you're approaching life is how you're interacting in your relationship. Is that bearing the kind of fruit that you want? If it's not, then maybe something's wrong with the tree. Like maybe something in you needs to change how you think about it, how you approach. So that that is just gold mine right there. Mm. Right. I'll give you another one. Sure. The Beatitudes, I could talk on all day, but uh, so these are the set of opening teachings to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. Sermon on the Mount. Um, Matthew 5 through 7. So you should be familiar, right? This is one of your four books. Yeah, there you go. Um, be nice. Though. Yeah, hey. Uh, so Jesus starts off and he says, um, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will receive the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Something like that, right? And it's like a confusing sort of opener, right? Like this is his like opening statement, but, but what he realized or what he's saying and what's so great about that is that like, uh, um, 
when we realize that, that we have a need for God, okay, poor in spirit, like I can't do it on my own. Or mm-hmm. the message translation says, blessed are those who are at the end of their rope. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Because when, when good. there's less of you, there's more of God or something. I forget exactly what Eugene Peterson says. But when you start off each day knowing that, that you can't do it on your own, you have a need for God, that's the very moment you can start to receive what God has for you. But if I don't need a relationship with God, if I can do it on my own, then God's not pushing himself upon you. Mm. And so it's just like, it's, it's almost like mathematics to me. It's like one plus one equals two. It's like, you cannot receive God's power in your life unless you think you need it and understand you need it. Yeah. Or, or to flip it, um, one night at the hospital, just terrible tragedy, a a car on, um, I think Keystone came across a median and hit head on another car. And we got about six or seven of the people from that accident and some pretty terrible stuff. And that, in addition to a bunch of other things, just shook me. Like by the end of the night, I was working on overnight ER, Methodist Hospital, um, and I was kind of broken by it. And and I realized how, like, like as my wife was taking our daughter Sophie to school, like the same sort of thing could happen. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like I was terrified. And that night they came home and we were eating like burnt pizza and drinking like cheap wine. And I was just like marveling at how beautiful that moment was because of the fragility of life, how fragile yes. it was. Yeah. Showed me how precious yeah. that was. Yeah. What if, what if you could live with that sense of preciousness each moment? Blessed are those. Yeah. That do yes. That. I, you know, it reminds me years ago I was mugged at the uh, yeah, yeah. gun, gun Jeez. to the head to the face Dang. that was pretty scary yeah and uh uh that was a long that was a long time ago but every once in a while um i'll just sort of remember oh yeah this is all gravy like i mm-hmm. like none of this might have happened you yeah. know had just had a nerve impulse gone down that guy's finger to squeeze the trigger none of the, this is all over and right. so what a gift you mm-hmm. know that's mm-hmm. uh yeah, I, I do think it feels to me like that one of the common denominators for anyone, any human being mm-hmm. that's, you know, any thinking human being, we're all just trying to make sense of just the wonder. Yeah. I mean, it's just that it's everything around us is just massive mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. deep. And mm-hmm. it's I, and I I almost feel like. <clears throat> Practically any path someone takes, be it they're uh, a devout churchgoer or they, they, they wash their hands of the whole thing or somewhere in between, I kind of feel like in some ways it's all understandable because we're all dealing with this, this thing that is, you know, I believe it's, I mean, we're in... God created this whole thing, and mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. far beyond us, we can't comprehend what's going on. Right, right. There's there's a mystery there no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, and as you're saying, it's like, <coughs> yeah, we're all spiritual, right? We're all dealing with these big, universal, eternal things like change and mystery and the power of relationship. And, um, I mean, and so we're spiritual beings. Everybody, yeah, right. Like, there's a there. I did that sermon series, spiritual, not religious, last year, uh, because it's kind of a common phrase, especially among millennials and younger people. And it's like, well, of course you're spiritual, um, and not religious. So like, but you are religious because you have a frame. But we won't say that, you know, like that sure. sort of thing. But yeah, yeah, you're spiritual. We all are. Um, but some of us are in touch with that spiritual reality more so than others like that preciousness of life theme. And, and as you were talking about the gun to the head and how everything after this is actually a gift, it made me think about your earlier question. You're like, so what do you say to somebody who's kind of a good person or whatever, but like, they don't like, why do they need church? Or like, what's the the benefit of church? Yes. The way I think of it is, um, you can arrive at that sense of the sacredness of life, the preciousness of life on your own. And, and in fact, I think at some level you have to arrive at it in a personal way. It's got to be personal for it to be real. 
But it's so easy to forget that in the minutia of life of the grind, right? Absolutely. And so it's like kind of swimming upstream sometimes to keep this bigger perspective that actually makes life glorious and that helps you kind of live in a way that at the end of your life, you're going to be happy you live that way, that integrity, right? Mm -hmm. And so what if you could get around a group of people who are swimming in the same direction, who are creating a current, who are creating momentum? Uh Uh-huh. What if you're with yep. a group of people who were saying every Sunday corporately, your will, your way, and really meant it? Yes. Right? That we're living intentionally, right? That's what the church is supposed to be. I'd be the first to admit that it, it not always is. Um, but what if you could be with a group of people that were just helping each other stay in touch with this larger reality, wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't that be helpful? That's what we're trying to create. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Preach. (laughs) No, that's great. I think that's what, that's a, an awesome way to, to, um, cap off. I I think this, our, our time together, and that's why you're so good at, at what you do. And I'm, so pleased to have had this this time together we like i said we uh well we'll see each other at lewis's birthday party in a couple of days and i'm sure we'll get into some deep conversation then but we got to block off you know basically an entire hour yeah that's fun yeah yeah yeah. no kids interrupting us i know i know well scott it's been so awesome spending time with you i hope it's not the last time yeah oh well i'll see you on saturday but yeah you know (laughs) well i'm the last time on hoosier hey i'd be glad to come back it's it's (laughs) been fun i gotta say this Uh, I, i was excited to come here and hannah and i my wife hannah we were talking and uh i'm like yeah it's gonna be great and because Tony, even like in a real life environment, is such a good listener and like is always encouraging and like he's so smart and like thoughtful. And so, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and she was like agreeing, you know. Huh. Yeah, my wife. Yeah, she, she thinks you're pretty cool. So. Oh, I, oh, I love Hannah. I'll tell you, the, my favorite thing about Hannah, her laugh. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I, I could tell just me about sit it. and listen to that, you know. She's. Yeah. You can't you can't help but uh, just it gives you a different perspective on your day. You know, mm-hmm. it's like uh, let's you, not take ourselves so seriously. You know, you know, as a as a as a Korean girl, as a proper Korean yeah. girl, she's supposed to be, laugh like me, right? Like that yeah, like so the fact well, that she has this big laugh, I yeah. I think that multiplies the effect. Yeah, knowing kind of where she yeah. culturally she comes right. from, yeah, like that, the subculture she was in. You're right. I think it was her dad or somebody would be like, "You're never going to get married with a laugh like that," or like be, you know. And <laughs> I met her and I was like, "This is awesome." There you, know? you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's All right. that. That's for episode. <laughs> there you go. Episode two. Oh, we're going to talk uh, about our wives in the next one. I uh, hope yeah, not. yeah, exactly. Bad move. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scott. We'll see you next time. Thank you.